Okay, everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and welcome to 2023. It's official. We're in a new year. So I thought, you know, what better time to talk about that powerful question, how to live a good life? What better time to ask that question than at the start of a fresh new year? So for some people, how to live a good life, they might define it by career success or monetary wealth. They might talk about traveling the globe with no worries. They might talk about um, living a low-key lifestyle with quality relationships. The definition of a good life is subjective. It's so unique to all of us. And I would, I would venture to say that our definition probably changes as our experience changes throughout life. But to me, what I want for this to be is an uplifting episode where you get to reflect what does it mean to you to live a good life and to learn how your choices, your intentions, and your actions can help make this year the best year of your life. So a lot of times when I ask people, what does it mean to you to live a good life? The first thing they say is, I just want to be happy. And happiness, I think, is a word that's hard to define. It seems like a big emotion to kind of want all the time. Because after all, if, if we were happy, what would our benchmark be? We wouldn't even probably know we were happy because we wouldn't have those moments of unhappiness that give us perspective enough so that we would actually be able to appreciate the happy moments. So personally, I like the word joy. My goal is to find and to hold on to the moments of joy, knowing that emotions are fleeting and everything can change in an instant. Tragedy can strike, things can happen in our lives. So if I can find and appreciate moments of joy, then I have those to hold on to no matter what I'm going through. But you know what? If you prefer happy and that's your answer, I'm all in. Because my goal is to meet you where you're at. We're all different. And the best thing we can do is support one another and love one another, not just for how we're alike, but how unique and different we are. So whatever the case, the pursuit of happiness seems to be something that human beings have been striving for since the beginning of life. Okay. The beginning of time, living the good life or flourishing or self joy, satisfaction, meaning, and purpose. These are all words that come to mind when we think about happiness or joy. But the question is, how do we live a life where we get to experience these moments of joy or this satisfaction? How do we live a life where we get to find meaning and purpose? How do we build skills to live a good life? So, I'm going to start by sharing something called the PERMA model of theory and well-being. So Olivia Ellis and I deep dived into this last year in an episode, and I hope you'll refer back to it. But for now, I just I want to kind of give you a lay of the land and kind of remind you of what PERMA is. And then I'm going to I'm going to share some other ways that we can make choices and take some actions to live our best life. So 
Martin Seligman, he, in an effort to tell the world of psychology, how, you know, let's shift the focus from always talking about mental illness and pathology to studying what's good and positive in life. So he developed a theory to address specific things that we do as humans or that we can engage in or that we can consider to make our life worth living and to create this sense of overall well-being. But before I get into PERMA, I wanted to share something. I was thinking about me personally and what helps me to live a good life. And I'm going to share some of those things later. But I was thinking, you know, this past year we lost a niece and I have four sisters. And recently, three out of the four have had some type of a diagnosis. And I feel like I'm losing, you know, my people or I'm witnessing a lot of sickness around me. There's been a lot of life changes. And I was reflecting on that. And I was also reflecting on some of the wonderful things that happened to me this last year. Like I got to go to Asia and present in Thailand and I met new people and tried new things. And so to me, I think living a good life is about finding balance and authenticity, surrounding myself with good people and making the most of all the moments while I have those moments with people in those experiences. So living a good life is just doing the best I can at all times to stay true to me and to show up for the people I love and care about and also to love the work that I do. So let's talk about PERMA though. So PERMA is five elements, okay? It describes, you know, characteristics of what in positive psychology they call flourishing. Um, and flourishing is, and I've got a quote here, the pursuit and engagement of authentic life that brings inner joy and happiness by meeting our goals, being connected to our life passions, and relishing and accomplishments through the peaks and valleys of life. So that's a big mouthful, but that's how positive psychology describes flourishing. And I love that because to me, that intersects with joy and happiness and satisfaction. So PERMA is made up of five elements. They're positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishments. So research supports that engaging in these components not only increases well-being, but it decreases stress and psychological distress. It, it also supports that there's a positive link between all these PERMA elements and overall life satisfaction and well-being. So again, this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm Angie Miller, and we are talking today about how to live a good life. It's 2023. It's the start of a new year. Let's deep dive together. So the P in PERMA is positive emotion, and that includes but isn't limited to joy and love and hope, satisfaction, gratitude, compassion. And when we integrate positive emotion into our life, like the moments of joy that I mentioned earlier, research, research states that it supports habit, like habitual ways of thinking and acting that can promote resilience. So some ways that positive psychology says that we can build positive emotion is to spend time with people who are important to you, those that you care the most about. Even if spending that time means talking on the phone with them or having a Zoom call with them. Also, another way to build it is to engage in activities that bring you joy, 
no matter how simple they are. You know what? For some people cleaning their home and witnessing how good it feels afterwards to have clarity in physical space and emotional space, that is as good as exercise to them. So another way would be, you know, exercising, reading, socializing. And another thing that always comes up when we talk about positive emotion is practicing gratitude. And I think one of the simplest ways to do that is just before you go to bed at night, think of three good things that happened that day. Could be so, so simple. So part of, for me, how I build social or how I build positive emotion is massively linked to social engagement. Not a single night goes by where I don't call one or both my daughters one of my sisters at least, or someone else in my family or a friend. It also, for me, positive emotion is, is my ability and my, my mission to help others. It's also, you know, traveling. I love to travel, reflecting on my accomplishments each day so that I don't get caught up in the muck, the outside stuff like, oh, this went wrong and that went wrong. And then getting tasks accomplished. Okay. So anything that helps you capture those moments of joy and fills you with a good sense of positive emotion, that's good enough. Maybe it's reading, maybe it's napping, maybe it's exercising. So the E in PERMA is engagement. According to Seligman, engagement is being one with the music. It's that state of flow and it's that complete absorption in an activity like running. When you hit your flow, you're fully present and you're focused on what you're doing. They say to achieve flow, there's like a sweet spot. It has to be the balance of it's a good enough challenge, but I also have the skill to accomplish it. Meaning if it's too challenging, I'm going to get frustrated and want to walk away. And if it's too easy, I risk getting bored. So ways to increase engagement would be to engage in activities that you love so much you lose track of time. You have any of those, but I do. Or just to practice being present, like mindfulness. It could even be mundane tasks like folding your laundry, but not watching TV when you're folding your laundry or not listening to the radio when you're folding your laundry, just feeling the feels and smelling the smells and being fully present. And another way that I think increases engagement is to play off of your strengths. Do things that you are so good at where you excel. So you remember that there might be, you know, a million things that I don't know how to do, but there's also a lot of things that I do. So for me, I increase my engagement and get into flow when I refinish furniture. Sometimes, sometimes I get super frustrated and a lot of spicy words come out of my mouth, but for the most part, I love to refinish old furniture. I also increase my engagement when I go hiking or I lie on the beach listening to the waves, which is something I just did this past weekend. So the R in PERMA is positive relationships. And this is going to include family, siblings, parents, um, kids, colleagues, boss. Positive relationships in the PERMA model refers to relationships with people that make you feel loved and valued. People that make you feel like you're actually seen and heard and understood and supported because we're social creatures. And especially as adults age, we know that the research supports that socialization is such a critical role in preventing cognitive decline. 
That's how important it is. And think about socialization for your clients at the gym. Those connections, those our clients make with us and other people in the gym, that's what keeps them coming because they have this sense of belonging. So for me, one of the ways that you can build positive relationships is try to take a class. So I just stepped out of my comfort zone at the end of last year, and I joined an improv class. <laughs> And not because I think I'm hysterical or anything, but I do love humor. And because I wanted to totally practice being mindful in a different way. And improv teaches you how to be in the moment, fully present and be an amazing listener because you're always playing off of the other person. It's not where you are. It's where they are for improv to work well. So I found a community that I loved. And in a weird way, it made me feel more connected to Charlotte. So much of my time in Charlotte has been pandemic time where I wasn't able to meet people. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, this city feels smaller. And I feel like I kind of belong. So another way to build positive relationships is Honestly, practice listening. Just ask people about themselves so that you get to know them on a deeper, more intimate level. It helps you to build friendships and connections. And then last but not least, get in touch with people that maybe you haven't spoken to or you haven't connected with in a while. I love to call a friend that I haven't spoken to. It could be a year. And it feels like we literally just picked up where we left off. So um, another way that I like to practice, you know, positive relationships is I like to practice being a good listener and a good sounding board. So sometimes like my daughter calls me on her way home from work and I'll say, tell me how your day went. Give me a window into your world. I just want to listen and uh, or like take me to the movies. And this is the movie of your life. So let me kind of immerse myself in your world for a hot minute. I love doing that. So. Again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body, and I'm talking about how to live a good life. And I'm using the PERMA model from positive psychology that Martin Seligman made up, or the PERMA theory, I should say. So the M in PERMA is meaning. I feel like we all search for meaning and purpose, don't we? I mean, Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning way back, was it what, 1940-something? And it's still an, an incredibly popular book because we do, we search for meaning. We want to feel like we're adding value and we're contributing something to the greater good of the world. Like we're pulling our weight. We're not just existing. So Seligman, when he talked about meaning and belonging, he talked about how to feel like we really have a sense of meaning and belonging, we have to feel like we have a sense of, uh, we have to feel like we have a greater purpose. So that even when life guts us with something unexpected or something tragic, we have our grounding. We know what we're here for and the purpose that we're here to serve. And that's not going to go away no matter what's going on in the rest of our world. And research supports that those who have meaning and purpose in life, they live longer. They have less health problems and they have greater life satisfaction. So how do we build meaning and purpose? Well, I say, what about volunteering or getting involved? So if you can't do it in your J job, what about making a difference, volunteering or getting involved in an organization that means something to you or a cause? Or I think another way is to try new things. Like I tried improv. 
I was getting bored with myself. I have a million jobs and a million contract I work that I do, but it still was like I needed to do something that I haven't done. Yes, I know how to speak. I know how to write. I know how to do my podcast. I hope you're listening. But doing improv was something I had never done. And I was like, well, I think it's time to get uncomfortable. So you can also, you know, using your passion to help others, which is kind of what all of us are doing. So probably for most of us, we find meaning and purpose and exercise. I find it in my work as a therapist and also in the roles that we play as moms, as dads, as siblings, as parents, whatever it might be. I already said parents, didn't I? So daughters, sons. So I also find meaning when I try new things, and that's a big thing for me, and hopefully that'll be a big thing for you in 2023. So the A in PERMA, last but not least, is accomplishments and achievements. It's like creating mastery experiences where we set out to accomplish a goal, and yes, we accomplished it, and we have that sense of pride and satisfaction, but it also goes deeper because it means that we had the self-motivation, not just to start something, but to finish it, to see it all the way through, no matter the ups and downs. So you know what? Accomplishments and achievements, they also build our confidence and they increase our sense of well-being because, you know, they come from this internal motivation, like my, my improv class. I was like, I just want to do something different. And I did. And I was like, look at me. I just took improv. So some ways to build accomplishments are to set goals, of course. Another way would be to journal and reflect and share about your past successes so that you have those to play off of. And then make sure that you celebrate your achievements before you just move on. You know how sometimes your clients or maybe you you knock something out of the park and then you're like, okay, what's next? What if you just take a minute to sit with it and really reflect on what it took to accomplish what you just did before you start moving on to the next thing and the next thing? So this year I wrote a chapter in the women's fitness specialists and I've written chapters, but it's been a long time. That was hugely challenging. I went to Asia to present. I did the improv. I was thinking about those things that I've done and I was like, you know, not so bad, but there's still a lot more that I want to do. So before I move on, I want you to know that also positive psychology, they talk about a plus in the PERMA, and that's where they talk about things like optimism and physical activity and nutrition and sleep. So that's PERMA, but now I want to talk about some things that I, in my research, found that I think I had to narrow it down because there's so many things, but I chose five big ones and they're unique. I think that they're different from PERMA, but they play off of PERMA. And these five things are five additional ways that we can kind of focus on building a good life where we can get in touch with our values and our priorities, and we can do what matters to us so that we are not just living or we're not existing, we're living. So to me, living a good life is staying true to you and who you are. So here's my tips. Number one, this is probably something that you won't expect, but it's practice healthy communication. <laughs> so I feel like communication is a core issue in our society. We all want people to think like us. We want people to communicate like us. We want people to share our beliefs. But how incredible 
incredibly boring would that be? I think communication ties into living a good life because if you're a good communicator, chances are you have positive relationships. And if you're not, probably not, right? So communication is at the core of everything we do. Positive, healthy communication builds trust, authentic connection with others. Practicing healthy communication, it means that I can articulate my feelings and emotions, but also that I'm able to listen to your feelings and emotions. It Positive communication to me ties into emotional intelligence. It ties into our compassion and our empathy and our understanding, not just of who we are, but of who other people are and accepting that we're different, recognizing that and appreciating that. It also means that we fight fair, that we don't go below the belt. We don't call names, okay? We avoid strong emotion when we're in, you know, kind of, um, you know, we're in dialogue with somebody and we can sense that it's going, eh, this is kind of leading to an argument. It means that we don't let strong emotion hijack the conversation and start using anger and name calling to make that person walk away. So trust me, communication is at the core of how we navigate our world and our relationships. And being social creatures, our relationships are vital to our mental and emotional well-being. All right. So again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. And I'm talking about how to live a good life in 2023. So number one was communication. Number two is focus on what you can control, not what you can't. You want to be unhappy? Try to get other people to think like you or do the things that you do or to just completely align themselves to your way or the highway. Or try to focus on things that you can't control, like other people, your boss outcomes, because we can try our best, but we're never going to be able to predict outcomes. But what we can control is our attitude and the way that we respond to events and situations. We can control our ability to manage stress because we can practice the PERMA model and all these other things that build positive emotion and healthy sustainability in life and help us build resilience. So focus on what you can control, not what you can't. You do get to control your attitude and your responses and the way you communicate and your decisions on a day-to-day basis. So number three, practice good emotional hygiene. I feel like I want to drop a ball here. Don't you love that one? Good emotional hygiene. (laughs) We don't just need to wash our body. We need to cleanse our thoughts and emotions. So this means to me, one of the biggest things about emotional hygiene is to avoid the blame cycle. It means that we accept responsibility and accountability when we make a mistake. That way we maintain our personal power and we can fix our mistakes versus this victim mentality where we're like, well, it's her fault. So there's nothing I can do where we just point the finger at other people and then we stay stuck and there's no resolution. So to me, blame is such a vicious cycle and it's so prevalent in our world. You know, blame your parents, blame your boss. It's all these people that make me unhappy. But what if it's not? Because blame keeps us from learning and growing and becoming the best version of us. So practicing good emotional hygiene also means that we let go of excuses. Things and arguments like, well, I wouldn't have said that if you hadn't done that. Hmm. Well, it's rationalizing bad behavior. 
And at the end of the day, we all have a choice in communication and choosing to double down on someone else's bad behavior doesn't absolve you of your own. I feel like that should be in big quotes. All right. Part of practicing good emotional hygiene is also doing things that help you process negative emotion. So whether that's talk therapy or working with a coach or journaling or processing with someone you trust or exercising, do whatever you can do to cul cultivate and nurture a healthy mind. All right. So number four, another tip that I have to live a good life is to live don't just exist. So whatever that looks like for you, just stay with that for a minute. Does that, is that traveling? Is it developing hobbies? Is it tapping into your spirituality? Is it taking new risks or seeking challenges? Or maybe it's just being willing to reevaluate your life at different intervals. It's a new year, so it's a perfect time. And reset when needed. So you don't get too comfortable. And too much time doesn't pass where you're going through the motions. So another way of living versus existing, and I talk to my clients about this a lot. I feel like I might have made it up, and I don't know if I did, so correct me if I'm wrong. I call it living an experientially rich life. So what is an experientially rich life? Well, it's a mouthful. But it's when we create and immerse ourselves in a variety of unique experiences. They don't have to come at a cost because that's the first thing my clients will say to me a lot. Well, I don't have any extra income. Well, you know what? When's the last time you went to a park and hopped on a swing or took a hike in an area you've never hiked? Or when's the last time you did something alone where you went to dinner alone or went to a movie alone? An experientially rich life is the opposite of going through the motions where it's like Groundhog Day, repetition, it's predictable. Like when you drive to work and you're like, I totally don't remember that drive. So just ask yourself, what would that look like if you were to do something that's experientially rich? Okay, what about an outdoor concert that's free or an art show or a mind-blowing experience? What would be interesting to do or experience that you've not done ever or for a long time? Remember field trips when you were in school? I loved field trips. So how about if you take a field trip? I don't know, maybe to a few free museum. But to me, in a nutshell, living an experientially rich life is creating experiences that shift your perspective and give you a new lens to look through. All right. So again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. And last but not least, I have my number five big tip, drum roll, please, on how to live a good life. So number five is maintain perspective. For every problem, hardship, or setback, we realize, maybe not in the moment, that there still is good in life. We might be going through a divorce, but we still have our health. We may lose someone we love and it hurts so deeply. And yet we still have meaning and value and purpose to contribute to the world. It's okay to be sad and angry, devastated, frustrated, and to feel all the feels. But also remember that our feelings change and we do come away from hardship. On a day-to-day -day basis, what helps me most is to focus on what went well versus what didn't go well. And to focus on what worked versus what didn't, and what I did accomplish versus what I didn't. So a few other takeaways before I go. One of the things I read about that I thought was a great idea was create a vision. What does a good life look to you? Just start with that. What does success look like? 
What do good relationships look like? What did you envision for your life at this age and stage? Okay. And then last but not least, make sure your work or your side hustle or your volunteer, volunteer work incorporates something that allows you to be authentically you, to express your unique strengths, your talents, and your passions. Because you have a gift, my friend. We all do. So whatever you're doing, whether it's a side hustle or volunteer work or your everyday work, share your gift with the world. Don't keep it to yourself. So again, I'm Angie Miller. Thanks so much for joining me on Strong, Mo Strong Mind, Strong Body. And here's cheers to living a good life.